Hello and welcome to another episode of the ZND podcast. Yes, it should be ZND. Yes, we are Canadian, but ZND sounds better. I'm your host, Zach Marks, or pardon me, your co one of your co-hosts, Zach Marks, joined as always by Dawson Patrician. And it is Edmonton Oilers home opener day. We are from the great city of Edmonton, Alberta. Well, Westlock, Alberta, and technically Ontario, but we are both Edmonton Oilers fans. We both currently live in Edmonton. And one of us, and it's not the one talking, is going to the home opener tonight. So we figured we should go over our predictions from the episode that went up this morning uh, as of now. But we did record it prior to the games. We were way off on our predictions anyway, so it didn't really matter. Um, And get into how we feel going into another Oilers season. This will be my 10th season as a fan of this team. and. You can't call me a bandwagon because I've been cheering for him since 2011 when Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, was drafted. And yes, he is also the guy on my jersey. Um, hashtag keep Nuge forever. But Dawson, I know you're looking forward to it. You mentioned just before we started this that you're planning to be there for doors opening, uh, which would be about 6.30 mountain time. Puck drop is at 8 hour time, 10 Eastern. So going to be a late one for you. Uh, I'm going to be sitting in front of my television screaming as always. Hockey season returned last night, but I think tonight's the night it feels real because the Canadian teams are back in action, which is realistically what we enjoy watching. Yeah, that's for sure. The Canadian teams are the most fun as much as, as much as I'm sure we and the rest of Western Canada like to rip on the Leafs and the Canadians and most of the Eastern teams. Um, it's still, it's still a good time. Uh, the Leafs, you know, obviously a very exciting team to watch as frustrating as they are, but the Oilers going into their home opener, their season opener at that. And they've got not a very different team, but you know, enough, enough to make it feel fresh. And, you know, you mentioned this is your 10th season as a fan. I've been somewhat, unfortunately, uh, been a fan of this team for the last, 15 16 years since you know my my first nhl memory is watching the oilers lose in game seven to the carolina hurricanes so that should give you a pretty good idea of where my loyalty lies but i think i mean edmonton this season i'm not going to say oh this is our season because we've been saying that for the last five years but i mean they've got a good team they have probably one of the best i'm not going to say the best but one of the best top sixes in the league with the addition of zach hyman and it's it's going to be exciting yeah no doubt about that i mean we talked well you and i have talked at length about how about this team and some controversy already from the oilers uh lineup decisions so the whole point of signing zach hyman at least this is what we thought was so we could play with mcdavid and Pugliarvi. And then you could have Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto together. Now, that is not the case going into the home opener. Hyman is with Nuge and Yamamoto. Dry with McDavid and Pugliarvi. So, a lot of fans not too happy about that, having McDavid and Drysaddle back together. But something we sorted out, well, with the help of Twitter, with a, a Twitter user, which I'm trying to find the tweet here, it is Bob Loblaw. I would like to, he basically, what he said was as much as he likes the the dry line, the dynamite line, as I like to call it, 
and then Puliyarvi Hyman McDavid. This allows the matchup nightmare to be a little bit different at home because Dave Tippett has the the ruling is the final change. So basically, the home team gets the advantage of matching the lineup or matching getting the matchup they want. McDavid and Drysaddle can go out against whoever they whoever Dave Tippett feels they need to be out against, and it's a little bit harder to control. Whereas on the road, the expectation, and this is just something I've thought of, is that Drysaddle will then be separated from McDavid on the road because when the away or when you're on the road, you change first. So if you threw McDavid and Drysaddle out there together. Well, then you're going to get the counterpunch from the home team, which is going to end up being their more shutdown line, I would say. So I think this is a strategic play from Tippett to show, put Drysaddle and McDavid together at home, but then have them separated on the road. What does that do for the chemistry? Who knows? But it's an interesting thought, and it's something I'd be, I'm intrigued to see. The Oilers don't venture out onto the road for a couple of games. They start off at home for the first three, actually, before heading to Arizona for their first. Uh, I guess this wouldn't be a road divisional game, as we mentioned yesterday, in yesterday or this morning's podcast, rather. So they start with the Canucks tonight, and then Saturday against the Flames, the Ducks on Tuesday, and then they go on the road for a couple. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the mentality is there, but we'll run through the lineup really quickly here. Dry Saddle McDavid, Pugliarvi on the first line. Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto in the second line spot. It's Warren Fogle, who was acquired for Ethan Bear in the offseason. That's a one more controversial move. Uh, Derek Ryan, who, which is a signing I really liked at the time, and I still do. I think he's looked very good in the preseason. And Colton Sevier getting in. He does make the team on his PTO. Uh, as I believe Mark Spector reported this morning, uh, 750K league minimum contract for him. Uh, still not officially registered, but should be before puck drop. It's a similar story with Alex Chase on in Vancouver. And fourth line, uh, this is a line that I'm very excited to see how they play. Uh, Kyle Turris on the right wing with Ryan McLeod centering. And the man Oilers Nation has dubbed Lamborghini Perlini getting his regular season debut in the blue and orange. So I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is the deepest the Oilers forward core has been as long as I've been watching them. And I'm excited to see what they can do. Obviously a lot of tweets going out about how everyone's super excited for tonight. But the one thing I've seen a couple of times, remember if the Oilers lose, it's not the end of the world. They feel like it, but it isn't. That being said, defensively, this is where all of the controversy comes in, for the most part. Nurse and Barry on that top pair, I have no issues with it. Uh, I think Nurse has grown into a top-end defenseman. He's getting paid like one starting next year, so fingers crossed that contract pays off. But Tyson Barry, you, get, you brought back the top-scoring defenseman for, I believe it's under five, under four grand, four million, rather. Or under five million, sorry, four and a half. Numbers are not my forte right now. Then it's the uh, the controversy pairing of Keith CC. Keith, of course, acquired in the trade with Chicago for Caleb Jones and a third, I believe it was. Uh, we also brought in Tim Sunder- Soderland, who's down in the minors, uh, and then Cody CC acquired via 
uh, free agency, signed him for $3.25 million. If you listen to Pittsburgh fans, he had a really good year last year. If you listen to Canadian hockey fans, all they think about is the seasons with the, the season with the Leafs where he was not very good. Oilers fans, obviously, were hoping for the Pittsburgh version. And then this one's weird. I was not expecting Chris Russell to get into the opening night r- lineup. Uh, this is a guy I've loved since we signed him. Uh, this was a player who, if I remember correctly, didn't sign a contract in Edmonton until, yeah, he signed it October 7th of 2016. And if I remember correctly, opening day was the next day. If I'm, if I'm remembering properly, I'll double check my, my maths here or my, uh, my reads. Um, opening day was the 12th. So they opened about, they signed him about a week later or before puck drop. And this is a guy I was saying, sign him. He's going to be, he blocked shots. I'd watched him for a few seasons in Calgary. I thought he was a, he'd be a really good addition. And sure enough, he came in and he cemented himself a spot in that bottom pair for most of the last, at this point, it's now five years. Um, this is the final year of his contract, I believe. No, his contract's up. Yeah, he signed a one-year deal uh, this offseason. Uh, so we're paying him under uh, under 1.5 mil, which is a very nice contract for him. But I was expecting Slater Cuckoo to get in tonight. Uh, now, not sure what's going on there. This was a player we signed last season as well to, I believe it was a one, yeah, it was a one-year deal with Cuckoo. Uh, 850K, earned himself a $75,000 raise with his play. Also broke his collarbone last season. So, and, but Evan Bouchard on the right, somebody I think every Oilers fan is incredibly excited for. Smith gets the start. I don't hate the lineup. I'm, everybody's hoping for big things out of this team. Obviously losing Adam Larson was pretty big. The Ethan Bear trade was questionable at the time. If Fogel performs, I think it'll look good. But I guess the other only real big news right now, uh, Colton Sevier obviously made the team. Turris expected to play. He is technically buried in the AHL, but that's just to uh, maximize long-term injured reserve space, which is where Oscar Kleffbaum and Alex Stalock reside. And I assume Josh Archibald will move there shortly because Archibald and Stalock suffering from the exact same condition, unfortunately, as a result of getting COVID. So an interesting lineup to say the least for the Oilers. I think heading into a game against Vancouver, a team that had, just as interesting, if not more interesting, summer. Um, I think the trade is going... It's it's question... The trade that they made with Arizona is going to be either looked at as a really good one or a very bad one. Uh, but, I don't know, what are your thoughts come, heading into this one, Dawson? Well, um, it's, it's definitely an interesting lineup for sure. Like you said, it'll be an exciting lineup for better or for worse, um, going up going up against this Vancouver squad, I think, I mean, uh, Demko gets the start, as I'm sure everybody expected. And his, even though his record doesn't really show it, 16, 18, and 1, he did put up pretty good numbers. Uh, 285 goals against average and a two, uh, 915 save percentage. So, I mean, he's obviously not a bad goaltender. Vancouver arguably didn't get a whole lot better in the offseason. And hopefully, the hope for Oilers fans is that Mike Smith 
continues into his 40-year-old season uh, with the same the same numbers as he did last year, 21-6-2 with three shutouts, 231 goals against, and a 9-23 save percentage. At 39 years old, you can't ask for much more from him. And the one player that is kind of causing a little bit of controversy in the last season or two is uh, Tyler Benson. Now, people want him, people want him to succeed, and rightfully so. But at the no, same I, time, I that's what happens when you draft a kid from the city he's been. Yeah, you play. Yeah, he's. You know, I I want I want him to do well, but at the same time, he said you know he made some comments in the off season about you know work you know working out trying to you know, cement his spot on the team. And not getting a spot on the opening night roster at 23 years old, he turns 24 next March. If you know, he's kind of at the point where you kind of know what he is. I don't know if there's a whole lot of room for development there anymore, unless he, you know, he surprises some people midseason. But I think it, it's kind of time to. I think it's almost time to retire the Tyler Benson experiment and just accept the fact that he is a very good. Uh, top six AHL forward who suffers from maybe some of the same setbacks that uh, Oilers fans may remember. One, Anton Lander, who's too good for the AHL, but just not quite able to make that next step up to the NHL. And I understand where you're coming from with that. Unfortunately, Benson has struggled, but I think you have to look at last season in the Swiss League. He was playing with G.C. Kuznacht, and I apologize if I butchered that. I expect I did. He played in 15 games, 19 points, two goals, 17 assists. This is a guy who I believe if he gets the chance to show what he can do, I think he will. Now, I'm not saying he's – I'm not saying he should be playing tonight. I'm not saying – Ryan McLeod earned that center spot – pardon me – earned it last season in the tail end he played very well pardon me uh 2018 second round pick benson a 2016 second round pick only about a year separating these two players however uh ryan mcleod 1999 why am i in carolina there we go i don't know what happened but nonetheless i think Tyler Benson's an interesting one. I don't obviously not playing tonight unless something happens with a CBR contract or whatever. Because uh, Cassian out because of the fall he suffered in the second to last preseason game against the Vancouver Canucks, and then Devin Shore out with I believe a shoulder problem. If I re- if I remember what I read correctly, I want him could agree. be something else. That being said, I think with Vancouver, you're looking at a team that's getting. Elias Patterson back. And that's a big thing. Last year they struggled, but he he only played in 26 out of the 56 games that would have been played last season. 21 points in those games. But then you look at the previous season where he was 66 of 68, and then once they got into the playoffs, 18 points in 17 games. He's a game changer. Maybe not on the level of McDavid or Drysaddle, but he's a very, very solid young player, only 22 years old signed a three-year deal uh not too long ago actually just about two weeks ago now he re-signed so didn't have the advantage of the full camp got into i believe one or two preseason games 
And then obviously you've got Quinn Hughes, who also just recently signed back, 21 years old. He signed for significantly longer, uh, up until 2026, 2027 is when he will become a UFA at the end of that season, I should say. But I think we'd be remiss if we don't actually go into detail on this trade. And it's an interesting one. We go to the trade history of Oliver Ekman Larson. The salary retained on that trade from the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, so only paying him $7.26 million a season. And then they got the signing rights to Connor Garland, who they then signed to a, if I'm not much mistaken, a five-year deal worth just shy of $5 million. So I like that contract. I like the acquisition of Connor Garland. However... To acquire these players, you give up Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, and Louis Erickson. Three of probably the worst contracts in the league, not counting Milan Lucic, James Neal, those types. But you also have to give up a second-round pick in 2022, a seventh-rounder in 2023, and you gave up a first in 2021, which ended up, which was the ninth overall pick and ended up becoming Oil Kings forward Dylan Gunther, and that is a player with a large, large bright spot on his future. So Arizona gets a very good player. And I'm not saying it's a sure thing, but there's a very good chance that Arizona got the best player in the deal. Yeah. And Oliver Ekman Larson has faded since signing that contract. And not only that, um, I think what people kind of forget, you know, I've seen it kind of in a couple different places, but if I'm not mistaken, every single one of the players that Vancouver gave up were on the last year of their deal, and they took on, was it seven, six or seven years, I believe, of... Six total years. Yeah, six total years of Ekman Larson at a gaudy cap hit, and it's... And to give up the pick that would become... Dylan Gunther. There's no telling whether or not Vancouver would have drafted Gunther. However, no. would would have been a good pick to have. Um, I'll be honest. I don't think anybody expected Dylan Gunther to still be there at nine. Um, no. Now, obviously, the draft is magic beans. Dylan Gunther could go on to have a pretty good career, and Connor Garland could go on to become a Hall of Famer with Vancouver. Who knows? It's unlikely. Could we see a JT Miller-type season? Out of his first year in Vancouver, I'd expect him to be playing with either... Well, he'll either play with Pedersen or Horvat. Now, the big one that's um, problematic, I'm going to say, for the Vancouver Canucks, Brock Besser's not playing tonight. And that is a big loss for this Canucks team who... I don't want to say struggle to put the puck in the net, but when you're playing against a team like the Oilers, where realistically you're not always going to be able to stop McDavid and Dreisaitl. You need your big guys to show up. And Besser not playing tonight is tough to overcome. And this will be a real test of Patterson, Horvat, Miller, and Garland, I feel. Even, well, we'll throw Tanner Pearson in there. I expect Paul Colson and Hoglander to probably be second, third line area, I would guess. Uh, the decor did get better. I like... As much as I don't think Oliver ekman Larson, the trade that brought him in, is going to be helpful in any capacity in like two years' time, um, I do like the acquisition if he can get it going. If he reverts to it the way he played before signing this contract, it's wonderful. That being said, they do have 
20, almost 20% of their cap in two defensemen, uh, which is tough. I know there's a lot of talk about the Oilers where they have 25.7% of their cap in Dry Saddle and McDavid, but it, their top two highest paid defensemen are only, if I'm math, 13.7. So in, the way you have to look at it is McDavid and Dry Saddle are 100% worth 25% of your cap. But Hughes and are Hughes and Ekman Larson going to be worth 20% of your cap? Hughes, quite likely. Oliver Ekman Larson, only time will tell. But I do like the acquisition of Tucker Pullman out of Winnipeg. Signed him to a four-year, $2.5 million contract this past summer, which I think was smart. I like the acquisition. He's put up decent numbers. He put up decent numbers with the Jets. Uh, he did go negative both of the seasons, but appeared in 57 games two years ago, 39 in all last season, appeared in all eight playoff games and was a thorn in the side of Connor McDavid. Um, actually, did yeah, he scored the winning goal in game one, actually, which is something I kind of forgot about, so that's fun. And then kind of a younger, well, I say younger, uh, Jack Rathbone, I'd expect to be third pair with Luke Shen, Luke Shen being 31 now, but uh, it'll be an interesting decor. Thatcher Demko, of course, we know getting the start, being backed up by uh, Yaroslav Halak, which is a, uh, Another signing I like for Vancouver, uh, they had an under, I, I shouldn't say underwhelming, under the radar offseason. Aside from the massive trade, they made some decent signings and ever, and realistically, they got lost in the when's Pedersen and when is Hughes, when are they going to sign? Yeah, and honestly, I, I think, I mean, Halak, obviously very good in uh, in Boston when he played. So I think that's a solid a solid pickup for Vancouver, especially after losing um, Jacob Markstrom to Calgary in free agency. And I mean, that's, it's a different conversation for a different time, but I think that contract will come back to bite Calgary very, very soon. Um, but I mean, Vancouver, not, not a bad team, not a great team. I think they're probably going to end up finishing fourth, fifth in the Pacific. And uh, you know, you mentioned Brock Besser He's played, uh, you know, obviously it was kind of an interesting season having, you know, the new divisions per se, but he finished it last season eight points in three, uh, in not three games, in five games, rather four of those games coming in Calgary, one against Edmonton. But having that firepower, at least when he's healthy, is going to be a big blow for Vancouver, at least in this game. I don't think he's expected to be out very long. But, you know, you need him when you can get him. No, no doubt about that. You you have to focus on the Oilers. when for If you're Vancouver, you need to try and squeeze as much offense as you can out of that bottom six where you would expect the Oilers to sort of slump. But as I mentioned, probably the deepest forward core we've seen. Uh, and some if going into this season... There's the potential for some incredibly cheap production out of these, uh, out of this. So obviously McDavid and Dryside will take up 25% of your cap. Then you have guys like Nugent Hopkins and Hyman with over $5 million. Cassian at just over three. And then Fogel just under one or three, just under three, pardon me. But then you have Derek Ryan, who's just over a million. Yeah, uh, Pugliarvi and Yamamoto, both 1.175. 
And then the next four guys on your team are under a million dollars against the cap, so, at least for the forward core. So if McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman, and Nuge live up to their contracts and you get halfway decent production out of guys like Derek Ryan or Ryan McLeod, Brendan Pierlini, this is a dangerous hockey team. And if they can get goaltending, and Mike Smith's numbers since joining the Oilers have been pretty decent. In Calgary, prior to signing, held a two two six five and a two seventy three goals against with a nine sixteen and an eight ninety eight save percentage. His first year in Edmonton wasn't spectacular; had a two nine five goals against and a nine zero two save percentage. But I mean, they were on track to potentially challenge for the division, and they were pretty much a guarantee for the playoffs prior to the stoppage and then the play in round where. He did not look good. Uh, I don't I don't remember if he got put in in relief or something, but according to this, his numbers in the playoffs that year, one game played a 999 goals against at a 783 save percentage, which I think that means relief or he got taken out early, so it kind of skyrockets because it's based on minutes played, obviously. But then last season, 32 games played, 21 wins, as you mentioned, 231 goals against and a 923 save percentage. If he can do that again this season, and I'm not saying he will, being 40, almost 40 years old now, but you've also got Miko Koskinen, who Oilers fans have t- we've talked at length about the contract. But if he can revert back to 2019-20, where he had a 275 and a 917, I don't think we can complain about that. No, and obviously I mean, the goals against is a little higher than you'd like. Kind of want like a two and a half at most, in my opinion. But a 917 save percentage, the Oilers did give up a lot of shots that year, and I'm ho- we're hopeful that that won't be the case. But I don't know. The goaltending isn't as bad as I think people say it is. Um, at, on paper, it's not spectacular, but what matters is what the end result is. There's a reason the games are played. We don't play on paper in this league. Otherwise, Tampa would win the Cup every year. And you know what? We'll use that as a beautiful segue into yesterday's action. So, Dawson, you and I took a crack at predicting the crack in Vegas and Pittsburgh-Tampa games yesterday. And it did not go who well. boy were we wrong? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, at least my, my predictions, I kind of came out um, came out victorious somewhat, about a 25, 25%, if you want to count it that way, I I did predict one win correctly, which was the uh, Seattle-Vegas game. I predicted a 3-2 win for Vegas with, I mean, the added bonus of Carlson scoring the game-winning goal. Two of those three things didn't happen. A 4-3 decision in favor of the Golden Knights. And I predicted a 4-1 win for the Lightning over the Penguins. And, well, we all know how that game went. Apparently, John Cooper really likes pulling his goalie uh, Pulling the old, uh, um, why am I forgetting his name? Patrick Waugh, uh, the the Colorado approach. But I think, I mean, that's obviously not indicative of how the Lightning are going to play this season. They're not going to lose every game six to two. And I'm sure, you know, being the back to back reigning uh, Stanley Cup champions, nobody's doubting them even for a second. No, not even remotely. That being said, I'm 0 for 4. Uh, Vegas. I had Seattle coming out with a stunning 5-2 win, 
And I mean, for a minute, it looked like vet, or, uh, Seattle might come away with the win, not by my score, but a controversial goal uh, gives Vegas the win. Uh, potential kicking motion rule uh, for Chandler Stevenson in the third period. They The refs say no, it does count. Uh, fans say otherwise, if you look on Twitter and I'm sure on Instagram as well. But nonetheless, Vegas comes away with a 4-3 win. And then I had Tampa with a 4-2 win over the Penguins. Um, that didn't come true. Uh, the Penguins, with no Sidney Crosby, no Evgeny Malkin, no Jake Gensel, come out. They they played very well. I was able to watch the majority of that hockey game. I uh, missed the second period, hilariously, where most of the, the first two goals were scored. But... Tristan Jari looked very solid in net for Pittsburgh. And up until it took the Lightning having six forwards on the ice, sorry, six players on the ice, to actually crack the, uh, get a crack into the wall that was Jari. So it'll be interesting to see how Pittsburgh does this year. You and I did not pick them for the, uh, the uh, Metropolitan Division, but we'll see how it goes. Now, tonight, I think what we need to do is over the course of the season, we will keep a tally of our predictions and see who does the best over the course of the season. Now you are one of four. So we're going to, so let's just get this straight now so that we're not confused later. Each game that we predict is worth two predictions to get two points, so to speak one for the winner and one for the score. Now, what we will say is if you happen if you guess that a game is going to go to overtime that night and the game doesn't go to overtime but the right team wins and the score is proper you'll get two and if you guessed in overtime and it does go to overtime and that happens you get a bonus third which will still count so as of now you have one point because you had vegas winning yesterday i'm on zero that being said i think what we need to do and we've only talked about the Oilers in Vancouver, Vancouver, but let's predict every Canadian team's game today. So that's okay. six points up for grabs here. We haven't talked too much about the Leafs or Habs or Jets or Ducks, but I want we're going to do scores and we're going to do a winning team. Okay. So we'll start with we'll start with Montreal and Toronto. You go ahead. Well, um, I mean, Toronto is Toronto. Uh, Montreal losing Carey Price for the first month plus of the season. Um, and the signing of Nick Suzuki, a big one, seven, uh, seven or eight years at seven. I believe it was point, max term. Yeah, max term, eight years at $7.875, $63 million total. That, that's a big signing for them. Uh, especially after losing Yesperi Kotkaniemi to Carolina by offer sheet. It's also and... betting on potential, not really results at this point. He's only had a couple seasons, but I do think he'll live up to the contract. Exactly. I mean, if if he keeps progressing the way he is, he will be he will be a very good player. I don't know if he'll ever live up to the full the full cap hit, but at, at the very least, I think he will be a seven million dollar player in his prime. Um, I think. Caulfield and Suzuki, both kind of the the two um, the two offensive drivers of this team, and you know losing Shea Weber, a big uh, big loss on the back end. You know, obviously that deadly slap shot from the blue line. 
I think um, obviously goaltending a little suspect, but um, Jake Allen, 268 goals against, 907 save percentage. Not bad, not great, but it's it's good enough on most nights. Um, I think I want to say Toronto comes out with something to prove, especially after the last couple of seasons, the the playoff disappointments, so on and so forth. They're gonna want to they're gonna want to prove something. That I think this is going to be a statement game for Toronto. I think it is going to be a 5-2 for the Leafs. And I'm, I'm not going to make a prediction on the score because that's too hard to tell. It could quite honestly be anybody. You literally but, just said 5-2. Oh, you, oh right, because you yeah, guessed. Yeah, for, for the player. Yeah, 5-2 final for the Leafs. Okay, so... I think the big story uh, with the Leafs is obviously Matthews and his wrist. Um, but I don't think that's going to slow him down too much. Um, the Leafs' power play is still going to be absolutely lethal. Uh, Montreal, as much as I like Jake Allen, I don't know that I trust him as a day-one starter. I mean, obviously, he did that in St. Louis for a number of years, but he was usurped by Jonathan Bennington after the team went into the toilet and then Bennington dragged them to the Stanley cup championships. So I say drag them helped them. That being said, I don't think the Habs have enough star power to keep up with the Leafs. Now. Yes. Habs fans. You did beat them three in a row in the playoffs last year. Um, and yeah, they were missing one of their two uh, star centers just like they are now. But I think losing your captain in the way they lost John Tavares last year, versus Matthews being out with a small wrist problem for the first three games of the season. I don't think it's going to matter much. I think the Leafs are going to come out here. I think they're going to win 3-1 over the Montreal Canadiens today, uh, tonight in about, I believe it's about an hour and a half's time. Uh, so that's what I'm going to say. We'll move on to the Jets and Ducks game, which is also an 8 o'clock puck drop now, because uh, that one's happening out in Orange County uh, at the Honda Center. So... I'm just going to come out and say it. The Jets are winning this game. I, I don't care. Uh, the Ducks, like John Gibson could theoretically steal it, but he's got out Joel Hellebuck, and, and the Jets are just so offensively gifted. 4-1 Jets. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, I mean, I I find it hard to disagree. Um, I mean, Gibson, Gibson is Gibson. He's been a very, very good goaltender for the last number of seasons, but... Last year, 919 and 7, a 298 goals against, a 903 save percentage. But you have to take that with a grain of salt, considering the team he's playing on. And when you're when your goaltending opponent is Connor Hellebuck of all player of all goalies, Mike Smith knows that all too well last year's playoffs. Um I think, and again, Winnipeg very good. I'm I'm gonna say I, I wanna say Gibson will make it competitive. I'm going to say 3-1 Winnipeg. Okay. So one thing we should mention, uh, Mark Shifley, I do not believe can play in this game for the Jets. I believe due to some finagling. Um, Taking my Yeah, so I am. Um, He does miss the season opener today because of the four-game suspension that he was given in the playoffs in the first game because the jets got swept in that series he's only served three official games preseason not counting obviously 
Um, we call this justice yeah. for Jake Evans. Yes, so we'll serve the final game of the suspension to start next season. So no Mark Shafley tonight. I still think it's not going to matter, and I'm still going with the Jets in, as I said, 4-1, I believe. Yes. So it's the end. It's the game we've talked about at length already. I think we're both leaning towards an Oilers win. But I'll let you kick it off here, my friend. Uh, Who's winning in the Oilers home opener tonight that you will be attending? I really, I really want to say that oh, the you know the Oilers will win six one and yada 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 whatever. That's that's not how this works. Demko is still a very good goaltender. I think um, you know Vancouver will probably keep them honest, but at the same time, it seems like McDavid and Drysaddle will just have have a thing in season openers where they just they do their thing. I think McDavid is going to do McDavid things. Drysaddle will do Drysaddle things. And I think it's going to be a, I'm going to say a four, a 4-3 win for Edmonton in, in overtime. Oh, so the first overtime prediction of the, uh, of the pod, of the, of the podcast prediction segment. So interesting picks. Um, now, I read something, or I didn't read something, I shouldn't say. The last time the Edmonton Oilers and the Vancouver Canucks kicked off a season against one another in Edmonton, Edmonton lost. It was last season. The next night, they came out and Edmonton won, but that was also with Miko Koskinen in net. This is the return of Mike Smith to the home opener. He did uh, play in the home opener the year, the, his first season with the team, and backstopped them to a 3-2 win over the Vancouver Canucks. Now, I'm expecting a similar performance out of Smith tonight. I think the, uh, the Oilers are ready to go. I think McDavid and Dreisaitl, every year that those two do not get uh, playoff recognition, as in get past the second round, they're more and more hungry. They're more and more annoyed, pissed off. McDavid's going to start off his campaign for 150 with four points tonight, two of which are coming on the power play. And the Edmonton Oilers are walking away 5-3 victors in tonight's game. If I'm going to say, um, and this is a, this is a bold, uh, bold strategy that you've put on here. If McDavid gets four points, two of which coming in the power play, I will give you, I will give you one bonus point just for being that incredibly accurate. <laughs> So if I if I perfectly see into the future, I'll get the I'll, get, I'll essentially get an overtime point. Alrighty, yeah, p- pretty much. I, I I can roll with that. I can roll with that. The other two games today also being the Rangers in Washington to take on the Capitals, and then the Blackhawks visit the or I should say the new look Blackhawks, uh, head to Denver to take on the Colorado Avalanche. So fun games all around. Five Canadian teams in action. Uh, the other two, well, I shouldn't say the other two. Ottawa starts tomorrow against uh, Toronto at home. And then Calgary doesn't actually start their season until they come to Edmonton on the 16th, which is Saturday. So uh, almost four days of no hockey for uh, Flames fans. Or, sorry, not almost. Four days of regular season hockey without any Flames games. And they'll kick it off in Edmonton. That being said, I think that's just about all we have today for today's episode. Puck drop at 5 p.m. Mountain Time to kick off the Canadian schedule. 
of the NHL. We're back to playing American teams. No more North Division. We get to see Connor McDavid play against in Colorado against Nathan McKinnon again in Pittsburgh against Sidney Crosby. We get to see Ovechkin come to Edmonton. Hockey's back. We said this yesterday, but the first of the three Canadian team or Canadian games today take puck drop in about an hour and a half. Unless you have anything else to add, Dawson, I say we ended here. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of fun hockey to watch. Um, I mean, going by our predictions, unless you're Anaheim, but uh, I think I think it's a good good way to end end the second episode. And there we go. Make sure to keep it locked to Instagram at ZND Podcast, as well as if you're watching it on YouTube, you're already here. If you're on Spotify, it's the ZND Podcast, just like it is everywhere else we aren't straying from the brand which makes it a lot easier to for people to find us so for my co-host dawson patrician i'm zach marks and we'll see you next time on the ZND podcast <laughs>